Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 12, Role-Playing Games. So welcome back. Once again, it's been about five weeks in the last episode. Lots has been going on. Unfortunately, not much uh, board gaming for me. As far as solitaire gaming, I've managed to play in the last 30 days about four games of Friday by Friedman Freeze and last night two games of A Fistful of Penguins, which took a whole of about 10 minutes for the two games. It's a neat game, but anyway, I'll talk about more about that stuff later on. Like I said, it's been a busy month. I have gotten a few new games I'll be able to talk about soon, um, such as Friday, which might be the next show, Orin Labora, and a few others, uh, Fistful of Penguins. But anyway, as I said at the intro, this is the role-playing game episode, finally. I've been wanting to do this one for for months now, I've been looking forward to it, just I haven't been able to get to it, and a part of it was just, I think, procrastinating and stalling, because, well... It's very different from anything I've played in a long time, and I've uh, just been intimidated by it. Uh, if you've played role-playing games before, you know the first times you play, it's very... You don't really know what to do or what to expect, so it's hard to get into it at first. And I think it's especially true if you're playing it by yourself, without some guidance. Anyway, today I'm talking about role-playing games. As far as solitaire role-playing, there isn't a whole lot a person can do. There's a few games that bring solitaire rules and scenarios. Those are few and far between. Most of the ones I've seen are the sort of thing where there's a four or five page adventure you could go through by yourself, sort of just to get to learn the rules. One game that has it is the the Indiana Jones role playing game by TSR from the 80s. It really was just about two pages. I don't even think it was two full pages. And you get to do two fights, and I think you had one choice to make other than that. Most of it was just reading through a paragraph. Other than that, there's Tunnels and Trolls, had a bunch of solitaire adventures. Most of those, well, let me step back. I was lent a one of these modules by a friend of the show, Tim. The module that he gave me is called Naked Doom. And it sort of plays like the... Um, Middle-earth adventure books that I talked about a few episodes ago and that sort of stuff where, you, where you're it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure sort of theme, but you get to fight and build a character and roll for combat and that sort of stuff. It's all paragraph-based, basically. Only other role play, solitary role-playing things I know about are there. I don't have any personal experience with it, but I know the Traveler game system, especially, specifically the old one, especially the old one, had rules for making characters and they were pretty detailed and had rules for creating planets with economies and all sorts of things so you could build a whole bunch of characters in a universe and then have them go explore and maybe do trading from planet to planet. As I said, I don't have any real experience with it, so I don't know how much playing you could do with it other than, say, building up the character universe. Then there's, then there's the mythic system, which I'm going to talk about today which is designed to be played without a GM. So you could play it solo, but you, know, you could also play it with more people just without the need for a GM. Or you could use a GM that doesn't want to go through and think all the stuff up on his own. And then he could use that the rule set. There's also another rule set called Mytherian or Mytherian Adventures that's relatively new. I don't know much about it, but there's been a new edition printed, and that's also DM-less role-playing. 
and supports one or more character players also. You know, the real challenge with solitaire role-playing is that role-playing games, much more than board games, are designed to be played in a social environment. You need other people to interact with. There's a lot less going through rules and a lot more imagination that's required. And that's just really hard to pull off by yourself. And I think that's why you just don't see many role-playing games for one person. The mythic rule deals with that pretty well, I think, as you'll see in a minute. Mainly because it it has a way to... It systemizes and creates rules for how to play by yourself and come up with uh, unexpected surprises. It's actually surprisingly easy and clever in the way it works. At least I think so. Anyway, let's get into the mythic role-playing system and you'll learn how it works. The mythic role-playing game is designed by Tom Pigeon and it is published by Lulu or Independent Publishers. Actually, I'm not sure who publishes it. I bought my copy, I think, off eBay. We could buy it new from Amazon or from Lulu.com for about $22 plus shipping. The, what you get is a red so, uh, softcover book the size of a normal role-playing game book with about 200 pages, I think. Let me see. About 150 pages, 140 pages. You could also buy another version of it which just has the, the DM-less portion of the rules for about $12. You could also get PDFs of either book for substantially less. I think between 6 and $10, depending on which one you get. Okay. So as I said, the rules are about 140, 150 pages. Most of the rules are really, I think, just to tell you how to use this to come up with adventures without a DM. All you actually need to play really is a couple charts from the book. And really, and that's all I used when I played. Everything else is, is valuable information. It told you how to do it and gave you ideas of how a game might go. But it wasn't really necessary when it came down to it to play. At least for what I did, which was using um, using Mythic along with another role-playing game. I use I played Mouse Guard. You can use Mythic to play as a standalone role-playing game system, in which case other parts of the book would be valuable. Anyway, the, the rules boils down to one chart, which has uh, two columns. One column has a difficulty, which could go from... Let me find the chart again. It can go from minuscule difficulty, weak, low, below average, average, above average, high, and so on. And then you, you compare that against the the acting rank of the player or whatever is trying to do something. And again, those could go from the same from minuscule, weak, low, below average, average, all the way up to superhuman, or, and beyond even. But you, you cross-reference those two ratings, how hard something is to do against how skilled somebody is to do it, and you get a percentage. You roll a die, and either you succeed or fail. Be beyond that, there's extreme success and extreme failure. I think 90% above what you need to get, or 90% below, is um, extreme failure or, su or extreme success. But the way this works is you're, you're playing along without a DM, and as stuff happens generally what you expect to happen is what happens 
if there's something where there's a question where you're not sure what it could be, you go ahead and roll on the chart to see the outcome. So, as I said, this book is full of examples, and it uses all sorts of settings. So let's let me do the same sort of thing. Let's say you're playing a role-playing game set in the distant future in space, and you board a spaceship that is uh, that appears derelict. Uh, your first question might be, does it appear like there was some sort of combat or damage, or does it appear like nothing happened? You you don't know the answer to that because you haven't been in there yet. So you roll, you decide how likely it is to be pristine, and I, I'm sorry, your your question is always yes or no. So you might say, is the ship the ship look like it suffered combat? When I enter it, you know, does it look like the place is run down or destroyed inside? So you decide how likely you think that is to happen. When it's not an opposed role like this, which just is a yes or no question, you have a, a chaos factor. Each scenario starts with a chaos rating, and that could go up or down. So you you decide how likely it is to be destroyed against the chaos factor, which will equate to one of those low, below average, average, etc. And that'll get your percentage. You roll the dice, and either yes, it is look like there. Yes, it does look like there's combat, or no, it's pristine. Um, hopefully, this made sense. But basically, that's how you go through the game. Whenever you come to a scenario where you're not sure the answer, you just roll for yes or no. You determine how likely it is to be true on a percentage, and you roll. If you roll really low or really high, it's an extreme yes or no. For example, in this uh, scenario, I could have said. Uh, if I'd rolled a, a three and that was an extreme, yes, it's damaged. It could be so bad that there's no oxygen inside, the walls are caved in, and maybe there's still enemy in the ship, and they're about to attack me. Most of these rules, though, use common sense. As you're playing along, when you think something's going to happen, that's the way it should go, unless, unless you have some doubt and you want to roll for it. But otherwise, you just play along, and what seems likely to happen does. It's only when you have a place where there's a conflict or you're unsure about the outcome that you need to use the rolling. Besides that, there's a couple other things to, to make it more complex. There's specifically, if you roll both, when you're, you're using percentile dice, if both digits are the same, for example, if you roll 55 or 77 or whatever, then you get a, a chaos effect. And what that is, is you go into this other chart. Excuse me. You roll three times in the percentile dice to get you three different sets of numbers and that'll give you something that is ha some sort of random event which may or may not directly impact what's going on at the moment but can impact your adventure okay actually it wasn't three rolls, it was only two rolls first you have an action and then a subject the action could be uh, disrupt, a lie, travel, ruin, punish Abandon, truce. For example, there's a hundred different possibilities, and then you have the subject again. A hundred possibilities. It could be uh, messages, success, wounds, illusions, good, evil, etc., etc. So let's say you roll. Again, we're in our space combat, and there's some chaos. And I got actually there was a third chart. Drat. Before you do that, you check the focus of the event. It could be a remote event, an NPC action, introduce a new NPC, move towards a thread, move away from a thread, which is your story arc, basically. 
or good or bad NPC actions and so on. So let's say we roll and we have introduced a new NPC and then for the action we get communicate and I'm just looking randomly in the table here and the subject is military so now we decide there's some sort of NPC that's trying to communicate with us and it's military it could be one of the aliens that was attacking the ship I decide is actually trying to communicate with me because they didn't mean to destroy our body it was just an accident and then from there my adventure goes on I have to decide how to deal with that NPC and what the ramifications of what's going on are. So like I said, it's it's pretty hard to get your head around. Fortunately, the, the rule book has so many examples. A as you read it all, it, it all just makes sense and seems really obvious until you try and do it yourself for the first time. That's where I had the biggest riddle. Anyway, as I said, you could play this standalone, in which case you also make a character. You could come up with attributes, all the attributes you think you need to have, or you could just have a, a general paragraph describing your character and his goals and what he's like. And then you start playing, you flesh out things as you need to. And it's really open-ended. You could play really any setting, anything from like fantasy to space. You could play an adventure where you're some gangsters trying to f kill a mob boss or just anything you could come up with, really. It's, it's pretty neat. I used it, as I said, to play with Mouse Guard, which meant I used most of the Mouse Guard rules, and whenever I had a situation where I didn't know how to handle it without a GM, I used the Mythic rules to to do that for me. As I said, I played Mythic using the Mouse Guard, and that was probably a bad idea. I'm not familiar with Mouse Guard, so I had to read those rules and learn them at the same time that I was learning Mythic. I think it's made it a lot more challenging if you can try a solo RPG, like using the Mythic rules, I'm guessing that's true with any other rule set, you'd want to either just use Mythic by itself or play with a, an RPG that you're already familiar with so you don't have to spend so much time learning the rules. It just ended up being really intimidating that way, I think. And just much slower than it should have been. I did find Mythic worked pretty well. I think it worked pretty well with Mouse Guard. Some of the things that Mouse Guard really lent itself to this style of play. For example, the adventures are already pretty open. The ones in the book, it kind of gives you a setting and you just play and you go from there. And when, In Mouse Guard, when stuff happens, if if you don't succeed, the, the DM just has to throw a curve. And I ended up using Mythic to do that sort of thing to myself when things didn't go as expected. As I did research about Mythic before starting to play, what I read a couple times was that to play solitaire, you really want to write things down. You don't want to play in a more traditional way where you're just going through it and either describing stuff out loud or more likely, I guess, describing it to yourself in your mind. But you, you want to write your adventure as you play it. When I read that, that made a lot of sense to me. I think if you're writing things down, it's going to slow you down. You're going to end up writing more details about what you see and what's going on with the characters. So I think it'll tend to just make the adventure more personal and and more interesting. So I went ahead and did that. I wrote everything down as I, as I went along. And that, that made it a little bit slow, but, you know, again, it was, it was a process of writing things and just coming up with a story of my own. And when things came up that I wasn't sure how to deal with, I'd roll for it and and then keep writing from there. And it was a lot of fun. It, was, it definitely doesn't feel like traditional role-playing to me. It feels more like a creative writing process, which, though I haven't done that in years, I've always enjoyed
I will go ahead and upload what I wrote down for anybody that's interested. It'll be in the One Player Podcast website, so go look for it there. I should mention that at the end, it was pretty late, and the game sort of got drastically different. I said I'd just call it a, a night and ended it there rather suddenly. The other nice thing about writing down uh, your adventures, you go along. Once you're done, you have something interesting you can always go back to and read. And if you keep playing the same adventures, you could then uh, have material to refer to and see what's going on. Now, the one thing I didn't enjoy about my experience was that it's not a problem with Mythic, but probably with the game I played and with most role-playing games is that they're designed for two or more players and one GM. I would have preferred to just have one character, but since most characters in most role-playing games are not very well-rounded, you really need a party, a party of a few people. So I ended up playing with two characters in my adventure. As I said, I don't think that's an issue with Mythic so much as the mouse guard game in this case. With Mythic, you could, um, if you just use the Mythic rules by itself, you can make a character that's as rounded as you need and then tailor the adventures to it, and I don't think you'd have a problem at all. But again, that's only an issue if you really care about going in with one character. I know a lot of the dungeon crawl board games also you require you to pretty much to take in two or more characters, or it becomes really hard to complete an adventure for the same reason. Your characters are not round, well rounded enough to to survive on their own. For example, you need a, a magician and a fighter and a cleric, and maybe some sort of thief or something to to detect traps and that sort of thing in your typical dungeon crawling game. Anyway, I think that's about it. Um, I don't know that I have anything else to say about the Mythic game system. As I said, I did, I did like it. I do think it works well. I don't think it's for everybody. It does require you to be creative, and I think it's going to require some patience to, to learn how to use it at first. And you have to be willing to write things down for it to work well. If you don't like to write, I don't think this would be the system for you. But if if all these things sound good and you've got old role-playing games you want to try or some new role-playing game you do want to play but don't have anybody to play that with, this would be a great system to learn and to, to use for that. Well, that's the end of today's right, episode. So that's it for this episode. If you would like to contact me, we'll see you next time. Is Fractaloon, the way it'll be much shorter. Geek, or you can around. email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.